0: Okay, So, uh, this afternoon, uh, we continue on in our series titled The Church. Uh, So, we've spent time over the last few weeks, as TJ has mentioned already, thinking about the birth of the church, the importance of the church, and the culture of the church. And this afternoon, we're taking time to look together at the mission of the church. Um, Another way of putting that would be, what is God's plan and purpose for his bride, the church? What is God's plan and purpose for Denison Baptist Church? Uh, to understand the mission of the church, we're going to take time to look together at three passages of Scripture. And through these passages, I hope we see the ways in which they work together as a collective whole. So we're going to look at three different passages from three different books. And I hope we see the ways in which they are united and work together and speak to us in a very clear way about what it means to be on mission for him. So the first one is Matthew 28 and see 16 through to 20. So, this is a great commission. Jesus' parting words to his, to his disciples before he ascended. Uh, so, Matthew writes us starting in verse 16. Uh, the eleven disciples uh, travelled to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped, but some doubted. Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son. And of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. And then if we hold on to Matthew 28, these words from Jesus, let's have a look at Acts chapter 9 and verses 1 to 18. The conversion of Saul, uh, Luke writes this, starting in verse 1. So Acts 9, starting in verse 1. And now Saul was still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. He went to the high priest And requested letters from him to the synagogues in Damascus. So that if he found any men or women who belonged to the way. He might bring them as prisoners to to Jerusalem. As he travelled and was nearing Damascus. A light from heaven suddenly flashed around him. Falling to the ground he heard a voice saying to him. Saul, Saul why are you persecuting me? Who are you Lord? Saul said. I am Jesus the one you are persecuting. He replied. But get up and go into the city. And you'll be told what you must do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the sound but seeing no one. Saul got up from the ground and and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So they took him by the hand and led him into Damascus. He was unable to see for three days and did not eat or drink. There was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, here I am, Lord, he replied, get up. And go to the street called Straight, the Lord said to him, to the house of Judas, and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, since he is praying there. In a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and placing his hands on him, so that he may regain his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard, many, I have heard from many people about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has authority here from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for this man is my chosen instrument to take my name to the Gentiles, kings and Israelites. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Ananias went and entered the house. He placed his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road you were traveling, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. At once, something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Amen. Finally, let's have a look at the words of the Apostle Paul in First 1 Thessalonians 1-2 um, all the way through to uh, chapter 2 and verse 14. So Paul says this, uh, We always thank God for all of you, making mention of you constantly in our prayers. We recall in the presence of our God and Father, your work produced by faith, your labor motivated by love and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know brothers and sisters loved by God that he has chosen you because our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power in the Holy Spirit and with full assurance. You know how we lived among you for your benefit. And you yourselves became imitators of us and of the Lord when in spite of severe persecution you welcomed the message with joy from the Holy Spirit. As a result you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For the word of the Lord rang out from you not only in Macedonia and Achaia but in every place that your faith in God has gone out. Therefore we don't need to say anything for they themselves report what kind of reception we had from you. How you turn to God from idols to serve a living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who rescues us from the coming wrath. For you yourselves know, brothers and sisters, that our visit with you was not without result. On the contrary, after we had previously suffered and were treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know, we were emboldened by our God to speak the gospel of God to you in spite of great opposition. For our exhortation didn't come from error or impurity or an intent to deceive. Instead, just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please people, but rather God who examines our hearts. For we never used flattering speech, as you know, or had greedy motives. God is our witness. And we didn't seek glory from people, either from you or from others. Although we could have been a burden as Christ's apostles, instead we were gentle among you as a nurse nurtures her own children. We cared so much for you that we were pleased to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives because you had become dear to us. For you remember our labor and hardship brothers and sisters working night and day so that we would not burden any of you. We preached God's gospel to you. You are witnesses and so is God of how devoutly, righteously and blamelessly we conducted ourselves with you believers. As you know, like a father with his own children, we encouraged, comforted and implored each one of you to walk worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. This is why we constantly thank God, because when you received the word of God that that you heard from us, you welcomed it not as a human message, but as it truly is, the word of God, which also works effectively in you who believe. For you, brothers and sisters, became imitators of God's churches in Christ Jesus that are in Judea since you have also suffered the same things from people of your own country, just as we did from the Jews. Amen. Amen. Let's take a moment to pray. Father, we we just uh, take a moment this, this afternoon and ask uh, that you would, you would shape our hearts according to your word. Uh, we pray that uh, as we understand what your word says here, um, that we would be molded and changed through your spirit. So use this time, Lord, speak to us, convict us, help us, in Jesus' name, amen. Now, we've just spent time reading a lot of scripture here, I recognize that. Uh, You'll be thankful, I'm not going to preach verse by verse this afternoon. Um, What I want us to do today is something that we tend not to do when it comes to reading the word of God. Um, I want us to examine these passages and see the ways in which all three of these different passages connect together. So I want us to see the ways in which Matthew connects with Acts and Acts connects with First Thessalonians. And I want us to do that this afternoon because this is something that we should do in our own time. If we're digging into one passage of Scripture, it should then lead us to look at another passage, then perhaps to another passage, and just to see the unity of Scripture. Um, it's so important we do that with any part of the Word of God. We let Scripture interpret scripture and in doing that we see what it is that God is communicating to us through the totality of his word we're not just focusing on one verse or even half of a verse we're looking at all of scripture for all of our lives Uh, I also want us to do that this afternoon because there is genuine connection between these passages and we're not having to make something up as we think about Matthew and Acts and First Thessalonians it's not like I'm just trying to kind of muster something up here To find some imaginary connection between the three of these. When you read Matthew 28, Acts 9, 1 Thessalonians 1 and 2. When you go deeper into these different passages. You will start to see more and more of a connection with them. Uh, And what we're going to do this afternoon is not unique when it comes to scripture. You know there's a countless list of passages. That we could look at both in the Old Testament and the New Testament where we could see a uh, connection after connection after connection, and all of that highlights the unity of the Word of God. Um, what I want us to see this afternoon, put simply, is that what happens in Matthew 28 has undeniable kingdom impact on Acts chapter 9, and what happens in what takes place in Acts chapter 9 has undeniable kingdom impact on the church in Thessalonica and what we read in 1 Thessalonians 1 and 2. And I want us to see this afternoon that this then highlights for something of how God works through his church. He blesses us through other people in order that we might then be a blessing to others. That's just God's pattern day to day. Let me just show you what I mean by that statement. So Matthew 28, if we begin there, the words of Jesus in the Great Commission, we see that this is one of two defining moments when it comes to the birth of the church. So have you ever been Acts chapter 1 and 2 So in Matthew 28, the promise of power from on high, the fulfillment of that promise, God poured out his spirit on the church. Uh, What we see here is God essentially unveiling through the words of his son, the mission of the church. Matthew 28 is really God unpacking, this is the mission of my church. So Jesus says to his disciples, Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20, he says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Not some authority, all authority. Go. Because all authority has been given to me, go. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you, and remember I am with you always to the end of the age. So this is Jesus' words to his disciples and we hear these words this afternoon and let me just highlight a danger for every single one of us if we have heard this passage before the danger is that these words of Jesus in Matthew 28 can bounce off our heads we can hear them they can bounce off our heads because we've heard them so many times before this is something we talk about a lot in this church and it's very easy for us just to go to, to kind of default and switch off because we have heard this so many times before But I invite each one of us to let the word of God dwell in us richly today. Let the word of God dwell in us richly. We hear these words. Many of us have heard these words before. And we can very easily overlook the fact that they are spoken in the context of what happens in Matthew 1 through to Matthew 27. So when we look at the entirety of Matthew's gospel and we see all that takes place in this gospel... The context of Matthew is the fact that Jesus had chosen these disciples. He had lived with them, he had laughed with them, he had cried with them, he had taught them, he had encouraged them, he had rebuked them, and most importantly, he had died for them. Jesus had died for his disciples and he had shown them that he in fact was greater than death by rising from the dead. Praise God for that. Amen. Amen. And so in light of that particular context, in light of all of that, Jesus has their attention now. So he, he's he said so much. He has done so much for them. And they are, they are focused. They're like, I'm, I'm going to listen to what he has to say now. He's about to ascend into heaven. I'm going to listen to precisely what he has to say. And they are willing to do whatever he calls them to do. Why is this? Well, our lives have been completely transformed by Jesus for the better. He has completely changed their lives and so they are ready to do anything for him. They were willing not only to live for Christ but to die for Christ as well. So God is doing something powerful amongst these disciples in Matthew 28 as Jesus speaks these words. And what we see in the book of Acts is then the outworking of the Great Commission, the promise of Pentecost. And it's like a Holy Spirit firework display that takes place in in Acts chapter 2. And it continues into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And it results in many, many disciples being made in the power of the Holy Spirit for the glory of God and for the betterment of the world. And part of this outworking of God's plan is what we read in Acts chapter 9, the story of Ananias and Saul. So God had been doing this Holy Spirit multiplication work all over the place. The pattern was disciples who then made disciples who then made disciples, and it eventually reached the city of Damascus, of all places, including Ananias. And Ananias was part of a a gathering of believers in the city. We see this in Acts chapter 9. And as Ananias had been blessed through the faithful witness of the early church, through the apostles, through the other disciples, God was now calling Ananias to be a blessing to Saul. So So Ananias had been blessed by the disciples, Ananias was now called to be a blessing to Saul and Ananias was hesitant to begin with and often when it comes to this call of making disciples, we can come up with excuses in our heart. Ananias knew how much Saul had been persecuting the believers in Jerusalem, but he listened eventually and he obeyed the word of the Lord over his life. And what we read is Ananias obeying the word of God that had been given to him and him alone And so in Acts 9 and verses 17 to 19, we read these words from Ananias to Saul. Luke says this, Ananias went and entered the house. He placed his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road you were traveling has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. At once, something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Now, God used his servant Ananias to bring the gospel to Saul, who would later become the apostle Paul. And as Ananias had been blessed, he was now being a blessing, praise God. And without question, this resulted, this whole journey of, of Saul to Damascus, of this vision of Ananias then being used by Ananias, it led to the transformation of Saul's life. Saul's life was transformed as the disciples' lives were transformed, as Ananias had been transformed. And from then on in the book of Acts and so much of the New Testament, what we see is God using this man Paul in undeniable, powerful ways. So from his moment of conversion, Paul's purpose was clear, to plant churches, to strengthen churches, to make disciples, to bring the kingdom of God to a lost and hurt and world. This is Paul's call as an apostle, and without question, this was God's purpose for Paul, and it's precisely why Paul says in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. In other words, it's not about me, it never has been about me, it is all about Christ who is at work in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. He loved me, and gave himself for me. So this is Paul's focus now, he's not thinking about himself He's not thinking about anything to do with him. He's thinking about all that God might do in him. All that God has done in the past. All that God is doing and all that God will do. And of all the places, churches and individuals that Paul influenced and impacted for the glory of God. One of the most notable, one we're going to focus on this afternoon was in the city of Thessalonica. So we actually read in Acts 17. If you jump ahead to Acts 17, Paul, Timothy and Silas preached for three Sabbaths in Thessalonica. And it says that a number of Jews and God fearing Gentiles believed. So Paul was being used in that city to share the gospel with, with these individuals in Thessalonica. And a number of Jews and Gentiles believed. They had a multicultural church in Thessalonica. And we read what followed on from that the ways that Paul encouraged and discipled the believers. And we see this in 1 Thessalonians in, in chapters 1 and 2. And all of this highlights this afternoon how much Paul cared for these people, how much he loved them. He wanted them to be alive in Christ and so he shares all that we see within our passage this afternoon. It's clear when we look at the text, God was using Paul to be a blessing to the church in ways that were only ever possible because of the work of the Holy Spirit within his life. So have a look at First Thessalonians 1 and verses 5 to 6 and examine what it is that Paul says here to these believers. He writes this, he says, because our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and the Holy Spirit and with full assurance. And something that Andrew and I um, heard when we were at this conference on Tuesday, Paul says our gospel. And he says, he says our gospel because there were many gospels in Paul's day, many counterfeits, many ways in which people were being led astray. And so Paul says, My, our gospel is the gospel. Our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and the Holy Spirit and with full assurance. You know how we lived among you for your benefit. So Paul lived with the Thessalonians for their benefit. And you yourselves became imitators of us and of the Lord. When in spite of severe persecution, you welcomed the message with joy from the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit was working through Paul to be a blessing to these Thessalonians. And they received the gospel message through the faithful witness of Paul. Take stock of the testimony of Paul towards the Thessalonians in chapter 2 and verses 8 to 13. And look at how much he loves him. We read this. We cared so much for you that we were pleased to share with you not only the gospel of God but also our own lives. So we gave our lives. It wasn't just that we verbalized the gospel. We shared our lives with you and showed the gospel alive in our lives. Because you had become dear to us. Such a love from Paul to these Thessalonians. For you remember our labor and hardship, brothers and sisters, working night and day, so that we would not burden any of you. We preached God's gospel to you. Paul was on fire for the Lord and being used mightily to these Thessalonians. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how devoutly, righteously, and blamelessly we conducted ourselves with you, believers. As you know, like a father with his own children, we encouraged, comforted, and implored each one of you to walk worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Verse 13, this is why we constantly thank God because when you received the word of God that you heard from us, you welcomed it not as a human message but as it truly is, the word of God which also works effectively in you who believe. So understand what we're getting at here. Paul's life had been so transformed. Paul's life had been so changed by Jesus that he was ready to pour his life into the Thessalonians and Paul could only do that Because before any of this, Ananias had been obedient to the Holy Spirit. Ananias had poured his witness, his life through God at work in Ananias to disciple, equip, empower uh, Paul. And then Paul was able to then invest in the Thessalonians. So I hope we see the pattern. Ananias invested in Paul, Paul invested in the Thessalonians. And what's incredible was that the Thessalonians having been blessed by Paul through his ministry, they were now being a blessing to others. And we know this because of what Paul writes of their life and witness. In 1st Thessalonians 1, 7-8, Paul says this, You became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For the word of the Lord rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but in every place that your faith in God has gone out. Therefore we don't need to say anything, for they themselves report what kind of reception we had from you. How you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. So they were now being a blessing. The Thessalonians had been blessed by Paul. Paul had been blessed by Ananias. Ananias had been blessed by the disciples. And these Thessalonians were now being a blessing to the Macedonians and the Achaeans. And the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus had a powerful impact and blessing over all of us on his disciples, through his life, through his ministry, through his call upon their lives. And the pattern followed. Christ to the disciples, the disciples to Ananias, Ananias to Paul, Paul to the Thessalonians, the Thessalonians to the Macedonians, to the Achaeans. We see the pattern here. All of which leads to the key point we want to think about this afternoon as we think about the mission of a church. And it's this, it'll be up on the screen for us. The gospel has powerfully come to us in order that we can powerfully go to others with the gospel. That's what we want to think about. That's the mission of the church for each one of us. It's a mission for the church here in Scotland, it's a mission for the church in Alabama, it's a mission for the church in Africa, in South America, in Central America, in Asia. The gospel powerfully comes to us so that we can then powerfully go to others. With the gospel this is how God's kingdom grows and this is how God's going to continue to work and work and work until he one day returns now this afternoon there are a number of us i think all of us here but maybe some of you who are watching aren't yet at this point yet but there are a number of us who have professed faith in Christ today uh, and we would sit here this afternoon and say that we are followers of Jesus our lives have been transformed by Christ Because of the Holy Spirit, because of the cross, because of resurrection, God has done this incredible work in our lives. And the question I have for you today is, how did you come to faith? How did you come to faith? How did I come to faith? If that's true of us, if we are followers of Jesus, if we say we are Christians today, how did you come to faith? How did I come to faith? How did we come to faith? How how did this church suddenly appear in Glasgow many, many years ago? Is it not the case that someone or some people shared the gospel with you? Is that not the the case? Is that not your testimony? Someone came into your life and shared the gospel. And it may have been family. It may have been friends. It may have been a work colleague. It may have been a neighbor. It may have been a school teacher. It may have been a complete randomer. It may have been someone in your life. Without question, someone has and someone did plant a seed. And they did so because they were being obedient to the Word of God. That's the reality. That's the reality. Now what did they do to share Jesus with you? Um, How did they go about doing that? How did they invest Christ into your life? What is it that happened that resulted in you following Jesus? Well, most likely they explained to you how we're all made in God's image and they explained that God has made you to be in relationship with him. I hope they did that. Uh, and most likely they explained how we all sin, every single one of us sin. We all fall short of God's standard, the glory of God, meaning there's a barrier between us and God. So we we were created in God's image. We were made to be in relationship, but there is a barrier because we are broken, messed up sinners. And most likely they explained How God removed that barrier, praise God, he removed that barrier by dying on a cross for our sins. He took our sin from us. He gave us new life. He has given us the opportunity to turn to him in faith. And he has given us the opportunity to have our lives completely transformed in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm pretty certain they would have said to you how you now need to repent of your sins. You have to turn to God. And the promise is, the incredible promise is, he will forgive you. He will receive you and he will completely change you. And just as each of these people we looked at this afternoon had lives completely transformed, um, our lives I think have all been transformed as well if we love and follow Jesus. I'm in mean, no doubt today. Each one of us who are here today, we sit here today because of a faithful and loving witness of somebody else in our lives. Someone chose to invest. In each of our lives. Someone chose to invest in Andy. Someone chose to invest in Marvin. Someone chose to invest in Jeremy. All of us. All of us have a faithful witness. Or faithful witnesses that resulted in us coming to faith. But Hold on a minute. How How did that person come to faith? So they invested in us. How did they come to faith? How did they start loving and following Jesus? Well, someone must have brought the gospel to them at some point. Many years before, or maybe even just a short time before, and someone must have shared with them what they shared with you, and someone must have shared with the person who shared with them as well, and someone must have shared with that person as well. And I could go on and go on, you know, there's just this generational connection with the gospel. There's a there's a gospel legacy that goes back and back and back. And if I was able to keep going back and back and back, it would take a long time and it'd be a really long sermon, but I would be able to trace all the way back to Matthew 28 and Jesus and the Great Commission and Jesus' final words to the disciples, go and make disciples of all nations. If we could trace all the way back, we would go back to Matthew 28. So Denison Baptist Church, this is how God's kingdom works. The gospel has powerfully come to us in order that we can powerfully go to others with the gospel. And this is a call to every single one of us. Uh, Don't think that this is for a select few, a small group of people within the life of the church. This is for all of us male and female, young and old, extrovert and introvert, rich and poor, married and single, parent and non parent, employed and unemployed, active and inactive, healthy and unhealthy we are all called to go and make disciples. The call to go and the power of the Holy Spirit is a call that overrides any and every category that we may define ourselves by. Because so often we say, I can't share the gospel with this person or that person. I can't invest in that person because dot, dot, dot. I'm, I'm an introvert or I've got a family or I'm unemployed, or I'm unhealthy, or I'm healthy, whatever it might be. We think of any and every reason not to do it. Let me just encourage you, for those of us who would struggle to even contemplate the idea of making disciples, of sharing the gospel, of giving a verbal declaration of Jesus with someone else. If God has called you to do this, then He will. If God has called you to live like this, which He has, Do you not think that he will also empower you to do that? He's not just going to send Mark down Duke Street tomorrow and say, all the best, hope it goes well. He's going to lead. He's going to empower. He's going to give me confidence and courage to do what he's called me to do. And it's the same for every single one of us. No matter the context, he calls us to make disciples and he empowers us. There's always a challenge when it comes to to a message uh, like this one. So right now I'm exhorting you to go and make disciples as Christ exhorted the disciples in Matthew 28. And the challenge is you can hear what I'm saying and you can completely forget what I say. You can walk out these doors and just have a a week that is like any other week in your year. But the truth of the matter is there is nothing that I can do in and of myself that will ever cause you to be fervently on mission for God and on mission for God in a way that results in him being glorified and in through your life. All I can do this afternoon is show you the way. So basically what I'm doing today is, is just pointing you in the right direction of who God has called you to be. And he's called every single one of us to be like this. I'm just pointing you in the way and I'm trusting that God's going to do our work. I can't do anything else. I can't take you by the hand and make you witness to someone else. It's God who has to do the work. It's God who has to empower you to then obey question I would invite you to consider answering this afternoon before I think about a possible route map to go down is this one. So in a moment, I'm going to just show you the way, hopefully. Um, not that I've got all the answers, by the way, but just a, a helpful way in which we can move forward to make disciples. But before we do that, let me just ask you a question. Uh, to what extent is sharing the gospel and making disciples a priority in your life? To what extent is sharing the gospel and making the disciples a priority in your life in light of the fact, let's just think for a moment, Denison, this area, there are thousands and thousands of people in this community, and there's thousands of people in our lives who are destined for eternal conscious punishment in hell. How important is Jesus' call to then go and make disciples? You know, every every Sunday morning, we'll get ready for this service and we'll, we'll walk down to Greg's and get a very healthy breakfast and there are so many people kicking about Duke Street it's not like there's no one here we're all here like there's lots of people walking about grabbing a coffee having something to eat it's a busy place So it's not like we don't have a a harvest before us there are many many people who are lost and in need of Jesus who's going to go who's going to go You know, I know I'm the one who's asking this question, but I'm so challenged by by all of this. Um, I know how easy it is for me to fall back into default flesh patterns. And I know how easy it is for me in my own life to come up with this myriad of excuses for why I cannot share the gospel with someone else. And, you know, I know how much more comfortable my life is when I don't do it, when I don't share the gospel, when I don't live in a way that results in people seeing Christ in me. The reality is, if this is all my life looks like, if I never ever share Jesus with other people, if my life is defined day to day by a life that never makes disciples, that never shares the gospel with anyone, then I need to really ask the question, do I really get this? Am I really saved? Am I genuinely someone who understands not only what God in Christ has done for me, but also who it is he calls me to be? Do I really get it? And yes, I believe it's by grace that we've been saved, but also, yes, I need to take hold of the fact that I've been called to be a Matthew 28 disciple. Each one of us here today, we've all been called to be a Matthew 28 disciple. We've all been, we've all been called to be an Ananias. Each one of us have been called to be a Paul. Each one of us have been called to be a Thessalonian. Each one of us have been called to be a Macedonian. Each one of us have been called to be a, an Achaian. If you have been powerfully blessed with the gospel, someone else came and gave you the gospel. Why are we not powerfully blessing other people with the gospel as well? It's frightening. Someone had the guts to, to share Jesus with us. And then we're receiving it and saying no thanks to those around us. What a challenge. I'm challenged by that. This afternoon, I'm left with a, a difficult reality. And it's one I'm struggling to stomach. If we see how it is that people are living in, in God's word. So we, we see Acts. And often we, we think it's solely descriptive. We think it's a newspaper article, the book of Acts. But Acts is prescriptive as well. Every single aspect, every area of God's word is living and breathing. And it's useful and it's profitable for teaching. It shows us how it is we should live. So when we see how it is that people live in this book and how it is they had this conviction, this urge, this desire, this joy to then make disciples. And there's a disconnect with what we see and how we live. If we see that disconnect between God's word and our lives, what is actually going on? What is actually going on in my life and in your life? If there's this disconnect between the word and our lives. I mean it's not like God has not given us an abundant harvest to labour in. As I've already mentioned. There are so many people heading for hell. What are we doing about it? What are we doing about it? This afternoon. Do you even care? Does it even bother you that a majority of the people in this community are heading for hell? Does it bother us? So challenged. Does it keep you up at night? Do you think about your family, your friends who don't know Jesus, your work colleagues, your neighbours, maybe someone you just bumped into in the street. Do you think about them and reflect on the fact, and if they die tomorrow, I don't know where they're going. Does it keep you up at night? Why are we not bothered by us? Are you bothered? The Apostle Paul was someone who was bothered. Romans 9, verses 1 to 3, Paul says this, and he's speaking about people who he was really close to. He had a bond with them. He loved them, his fellow Jews. Paul says this in Romans 9, I speak the truth in Christ, I am not lying. My conscience testifies to me through the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the benefit of my brothers and sisters, my own flesh and blood. I don't know about you, but I've, I've not reached that yet. I'm not at a place where I can say that I've got great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. Unceasing. I mean, take hold of that unceasing anguish in my heart that this group of people have yet to know Jesus in their life. What a challenge! You know, when I think about my non-believing friends and family, when I think about um, Alpha, the guys who are connecting to Alpha, when I think about the guys I play football with on a Monday night, when I think about my neighbours, I'm not there yet. I'm not at that place. But God has to do that work in me. It's not like I can do that myself. God has to do that work. You know, we had fourteen young people come to a, a games night a couple of weeks ago. So we had a youth night and it was just a a time for young people to connect within the community. We were expecting two, we got 14. Praise God for gospel problems. Um, But do we even care that probably 12 out of those 14 young people who connected are heading straight into a lost eternity? 12 out of the 14. For the next games night or youth night, Many of us won't be involved in that but would we be willing to give up our friday tv time or our friday whatever it is you do in a friday time and take time to pray for these young people as they are being ministered to and served maybe that's your chance to sit in your room and to pray for them by name i mean most of these young people are so far removed from god the gospel the church They do not have a scooby when it comes to Jesus. They have no knowledge of who he is. No idea of who Jesus is. Does that bother you? Does it bother you? Does it break your heart that these people have yet to encounter Christ? And does it make you prayerful? Does it make you expectant of what it is God could do in their life? You know, it bothers me that I'm so often not bothered by the eternal destiny of so many people. So if you can identify with that, and I think most of us can, if you long to have a deeper hunger and heart for the lost. If you this afternoon want to powerfully share the gospel with others, as someone once powerfully shared the gospel with you, if you want to do that, if you want to continue that pattern, the pattern we see in the New Testament, then what is the way forward for each one of us? If we are Bible-believing followers of Jesus, what do we need to do? How do we get to that place where we're not indifferent, we're not passive, we're not looking at non-believers and saying, que sarah, sarah. Um, how how do we move from that to a place where we are so challenged? Recognising salvation belongs to the Lord, yes, but God wants to use us in that process. How do we get to a place where our lives are marked by the mission of the church? A life in which we reach others with the gospel in the power of the Holy Spirit. A life in which when we start to live it out, we start to realise that to lose my old life, is to actually find it. If I let go of all the stuff I prioritise and elevate and think is important, then I'm actually finding my life. It's a treasure in the field. So what is the way forward for each one of us this afternoon? How do we get there? Well, I think the first thing I would say, and it's the only thing I'm going to say as we close, because it's going to affect everything else, is that it starts and ends in your friendship with Jesus. It starts and ends in your friendship with Jesus. I think there's many of us either watching online or here, who, yes, you're saved. But the reality is, that's as far as it goes. You don't have that daily intimate friendship with Christ. And without that, you will not see God working in and through you. You will not be a faithful witness for him. But this afternoon, as we think about the mission of God, I invite you to reflect on what it is that David writes in Psalm 25 and verse 14. Uh, David the psalmist says this, he says the secret counsel of the Lord, other translations say the friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him. He reveals his covenant to them. Secret counsel, the friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him. And through that he reveals his covenant to them. And I would also invite you this afternoon to take stock of what Jesus says in John 15 and verse 15. I do not call you servants anymore because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. I have called you friends because I have made you known. I have made known to you everything I have heard from my father. I think that's the essence of it. When it comes to mission, it has to start with friendship. Friendship with Jesus. You want to be someone who's fulfilling the mission of God within the life of Denison Baptist Church. You want to be someone who has natural opportunities to share the gospel with those who don't know Jesus. Then you need to invite God into your life daily. And he is already there, but it's having that God consciousness in your life, having this friendship with him in the big and in the small, and watching how organically God is at work through moments, through circumstances, through conversations, friendship with God in your prayer life, friendship with God in your Bible reading, friendship with God in your obedience. Friendship with God in your times of rest. In every single area of your life, you're saying, God, I'm bringing you into this. And I just want to know you in a deeper way through this. And it's not that you're always going to get it right. It's not that any one of us are going to always experience that friendship in a very tangible and powerful way. But without question, intimacy precedes evangelism. So if we want to share the gospel, we need to be right with God. If we're calling others... To meet with Jesus. Have we met with Jesus in the first place? John 15. You know, I am the vine. You are the branches. Remain in me. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So remain in him to be that witness. Let me encourage you this afternoon. There's a special and precious joy to be found. <clears throat> as we see how as God works through his plan and purpose. And I shared this this morning. I was, we were meeting friends uh, in the park uh, yesterday. that Rick and Gwen. And um, yeah, we just, we often, Pauline and I often just pray before we meet different folk. And I just felt the spirit lead me to pray, God, would you just direct our time? Make it a purposeful time. Use us in a way that brings glory to your name. And um, I tend to kind of do tours of coffee shops in this area. I tend to work in different coffee shops. And one of them is just in the Merchant City, which is Denison West, I think. I don't know. (laughs) Um, And I've been connecting with this guy for the last probably eight or nine months. And I've probably been there, I can't can't even think how many times, but I've had some really good conversations with him and I randomly bumped into him in this park and we had a really good conversation and we were able to actually bless him in a very practical way. And I know now, having had that conversation with him, that it's going to just make it a lot easier to connect with him. Next time we we'll go to that coffee shop, and I'm definitely going to go to that coffee shop again because of the encounter we had in the park. So God leading, God directing. I couldn't, you know, do that myself. It's not like I'm look. It's not like I'm walking about the park trying to find someone I know. It's God just naturally bringing about these moments, and it happens when we nurture our friendship with Him, and that happens as we invite Him into our lives each and every day and each and every moment. So maybe that's you this afternoon. Maybe you realize today that you want to cultivate your friendship with Jesus, but uh, you find so many other things getting in the way of that. Uh, maybe you're just kind of struggling. You want to have this intimacy with Christ in a much deeper way, but you're finding it hard to cultivate that, then, then speak with me today. Speak with me. Um, you know, we're going to have tea and coffee after, but this is also a time to be prayed for. Um, this is a time of fellowship. Fellowship's a blessed thing but we also want to pray together. So if you're wanting prayer for that, if you want to experience God in a much deeper way, as a means from which you can evangelize and do speak with us. You know, as I said this morning, it would be a complete waste of time for any one of us to connect or to be here and to walk away from this time completely unchanged. You know, we gather together as a body, as a family, in order that we might become more and more Christ-like as we encourage and exhort one another. Maybe it goes much deeper. Maybe we have yet come to that place where Jesus is the Lord of our life. And um, you have heard today what he has done for you and you have heard something today of what it means to follow him, but you have yet to make a decision to to follow him. Let me just invite you, you can do that today. Speak with myself or TJ or someone, you know, who loves the Lord. And we would love to invite you. If you're watching online, then do connect with us. It would be a privilege for us to unpack more and more of what Christ has done for you and how it is you can commit a life to Him so that your life might be changed for His glory and that you might find purpose and peace in your life. Uh, Perhaps you're finding it difficult. Maybe there's a situation you're in the middle of. Maybe there's an illness you're struggling with. Perhaps you just can't see any way forward. We, We would pray wisdom for your life. We would pray God's healing touch upon your life. And again, this is why we are together. This is why we have one another, that we would pray for one another. So do speak with us. And this afternoon, we also respond, um, not only in worship, we're going to sing in a moment, but we also come to the table. We do this every week. We come to this table, and I hope we do so with, with greater confidence, with, with a deeper confidence in all that Christ has done for us. Uh, Jesus commanded those who love him, those who follow him, to come to this table, to take this bread, to drink this cup, and to do so in remembrance of him. So this is what we're doing. We're commanded to do it. We do it every single week. I hope it's not a chore. It's never a chore for me. It's a joy. I invite you to do the same. And as we do that, what a privilege we have. This is a means of grace. This is a way in which God is at work in our lives. And for any one of us who are here today, and you're maybe still trying to work out what it means to follow him, we would invite you not to come to the table, instead just to watch, to observe, and to trust that, that God would use this moment to speak to you in a much deeper way. It was on a night in which he was betrayed that Jesus took the bread and he broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is for you. And in the same way, he took the cup, and he said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink this, do so in remembrance of me. For as often as we take this bread and drink this cup, what are we doing, Dennis Baptist Church? We are proclaiming the Lord's death until he returns. And there's nothing more precious than that, nothing more powerful than that. We are taking this bread, we are drinking this cup. We are having fellowship, precious fellowship. We have a freedom in this context to do that. And we do all of that in anticipation of heaven and all that God has planned for us. So let's be a people who haven't received the gospel then live in light of the gospel and powerfully share the gospel with those who have yet to encounter Christ. Let's be that kind of people this week as we cultivate friendship with him. Let's pray. Father, we we just pray your blessing upon this time. We, We recognize that you and you alone can work in and through us as we sing now, as we come to this table, as we have fellowship, as we pray and as we receive through prayer. Lord, use us in this time. Work in us. Equip us as we go into this week. In Jesus' name, amen.